So the reason why services inflation um, is also taking a big hit, we know from the last episode, I believe it was, we talked about average hourly wages mm-hmm. going up 4.4%. So if wages go up, then those that, that cost for services are going to get passed on yeah, going to get passed on to the consumer. Hundred percent. Yeah. So this is why the Fed trying to tackle wages, aka employment, right? Because if they can make that unemployment number go up, wages will come down, and therefore that portion of the CPI report will ultimately come down. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back to the show, everyone. If you were listening to the show, you have now found the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Wow, the uh, horns in the background are brought to you by Arun, whose mic we are going to take after this is done. (laughs) That being said, today's topics are going to be a lot in a short amount of time, so bear with us. We're going to talk a lot about inflation in the very beginning. There's been a lot that's come out in the news as it relates to what the numbers actually mean. Did they come down? Well, not enough, frankly. We're going to talk about Jamie Dimon's response to everything that we've been seeing and we've been talking about on the show, most notably short selling and, of course, the debt limit, which you know what you said is not that big of a deal. Yes, sir. Just a couple billion, trillion dollars in debt, whatever. I mean, just go ahead and increase it. I mean, you can pay for it, right? You already know. No, your black card could, though. <laughs> oh, there he is being the villain again. Say, does yeah. not change. We'll talk about <laughs> jobless claims. And, of course, we'll talk about the Fed, John Williams' statements as it relates to the increases in inflation that won't seem to come down. Ooh. They weren't positive. That's what we call foreshadowing in the biz, yeah, kids. exactly. So let's jump right into it, Say, <clears throat> Let's talk about inflation, baby. Hit me with it. So CPI. CPI, the narrative going around about CPI right now is that it has cooled for the 10th straight month. And I'm here to tell you that that should not be the narrative going around. Why is it not so good, my friend? So if we remember, we recall in March, CPI came in at 5.0%. April ticked down to 4.9%. And uh, since we had some new listeners that joined the podcast, I thought it would be helpful to give them a fresh reminder as to what CPI is. So it's the consumer price index. That's one of the data points that the Fed likes to look at. They prefer their preferred measure is core inflation. That strips out food and energy, but that of PC. You know the acronym for core inflation? No, no, no. See, you, you keep getting this confused. Mm. So PCE has core inflation mm. and CPI has core inflation. Exactly. Yeah. What's the difference? The difference is the PCE is from the business side, whereas CPI is from the consumer side. And what's the OPP? 
Always OPP, baby. You know me. That's always from the consumer side. Always, baby. You know this. <laughs> so the consumer price index uh, some, is one of the data points that the Fed likes to look at. And quite frankly, going from 5.0% in March to 4.9% in April, that's not a that's not a huge decline. And, that's that, and if you really start digging into the numbers, it wasn't very good. So we, I have it here. Energy prices are down 5.1%. That's above the overall index of 4.9%. I got to be honest. You feel a little off to me tonight. I don't know. Is this a sass or what the fuck's going on tonight? We, so let's talk about it. Let's, let's get out of the way. What's going on? What's going on? on? I feel like you prepped a little too hard for the show and you got a lot to get out. Is that what's <laughs> no, going on? No, this is a big This is a big report. Now, quite frankly, I don't like the narrative that's been that's going around. Everyone's being you know, rosy about this and mm. there's a lot of optimism and we'll get into later why uh, Fed President Williams was not happy about it. He wants to remind everybody that... Uh, we did not say that we we're going to stop cutting uh, or you know halt rates, but this this report is not as good as everyone is making it out to be. So the report site is alluding to is the Wall Street Journal, specifically the article from the CPI, which talks about CPI report shows mm-hmm. inflation eased in April, and the subheadline here is prices rose four point nine percent from a year earlier, the tenth straight month of cooling, which everyone was like, "Oh my God, yay!" Yep. But site's point is well taken. Just because inflation appears to be coming down month over month, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's great year over year. Right. And certainly the bigger problem and the macro problem is there's some things that we saw, if you look at the average of all the things that went up in price, mm-hmm. that there are there is some foreshadowing to problems. Most notably, not energy, but gasoline, gas, fuel costs right. are starting to rise again. Gas is up month over month. Now it's down, I think, year over year because a year ago from that, from now is was when uh, you know the Ukraine war. Yeah. So a year, oh, a year ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, one year backwards from now. Yeah, yeah. one year backwards from now. Yeah. Um, so that's that's why they might be down year over year, but month over month they're starting to go up, which which is, is a direct response to what OPEC did, and that they decided to cut fuel production, which came to the United States, which we said earlier in the show about five or six shows ago mm-hmm. uh, that we expected that ultimately to lead to higher costs, which would thus impact inflation on the way down. Exactly, and. Uh, that's actually one of those metrics that the consumer can feel right away when they go to the gas pump. They'll, they start to notice. So that could really affect you know, public sentiment um, and consumer sentiment if they start to see those gas prices come up. But most importantly, so the preferred measure by the Fed is when they strip out food and energy, and that's called core inflation, right? That actually came in at 5.5%. Which you immediately called me about super early in the morning and you were going, what in the actual fuck is going on, man? It's not good, man. So when core inflation, because when you remove, they remove food and energy for the, for the new listeners that are just joined onto the show. Those two areas are really uh, volatile. They'll, they can spike and go down and the Fed feels like they can't really control that market. So they, they like to remove it out and it gives them a better reading as to what's really going on. So when they remove those things, Core inflation is actually higher than the overall inflation number, and one of those, uh, one of the uh, components to it that really is contributing is the services and in- services inflation, and that's the, the one category that the Fed is really trying to target. So, and I should point out, <laughs> services inflation is really consumer discretionary spending. More than anything else, if you're paying for services, you're generally you've got free discretionary cash flow. You're spending money mm-hmm. that you have in excess to pay for services in most part. When that number rise rises, it's generally not a good thing. Right. It's not a good thing. We know that we just got that April jobs report. Which that, went the wrong way too. Which went the wrong way, but actually brought unemployment down. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fed President Williams 
came out and said also like you can guarantee that unemployment will go up to four and a half to four point six percent by the end of the year. So he doubled down. He doubled down on the Fed's predictions. Yeah. But you know what? I, I respect him for doing that because Jerome Powell, up until recently, and everything that he said, has not really said anything concrete at all. And I understand that he's the face of the FOMC. Right. But when a Fed president comes out, and this is why the Beige Book is so valuable. And for those of you who don't recall, the Beige Book comes out two weeks before the FOMC meeting and it gives you insight into each district that you have a, a, a FOMC member in, right? Right. So there's 12 districts, and each one of them are parts of this committee, the oh. FOMC uh, Open Market Committee. So I liked it because he took a clear stance. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we've been very clear on in the show is that July, so January, February, March, First quarter, that reports in April. Mm -hmm. April, May, June, second quarter, that reports in July. Right. Public companies will report. And we've always said that July will be a very pivotal month of 2023 because we believe that's where we're going to start seeing the impact and the consumer sentiment and the rhetoric really start to flare up. Leading up to that, you've seen layoffs in the tech sector. You've seen layoffs in real estate. You've seen layoffs in the non-bank lenders. And certainly, banks are getting crushed right now. Absolutely. So- we, we knew that we were going to get to this point. And one of the things that we've been very, very clear on from the very, very beginning was that as you get lower and lower in inflation, as mm -hmm. far as the number goes, we started off at 9%, right? A little over 9%. 9.1% .1 in June of last year. And you drop down to where we are today. Right. You think, oh my God, we made a tremendous amount of progress. But it's just like body fat, like we talked about when we went up to Mind Pump this week. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Drop the reference. Oh, got to. Daddy, Daddy's yeah, been in this guys, game a long time. I mean, shout out to those guys. Yeah, just I for mean, being as nice and as generous as, as they were, my God. I know, right? And who talks to me for two and a half hours? Two and a half I mean, hours? You, you got to be goddamn Nobel like prize winner. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> seriously. Nope. I will consider you. <laughs> yeah. So you talk to me all the time. So well, I was I mean, really we'll, complimenting honestly, you. Honestly, we'll consider you. Yeah. But what was, what was your favorite? <laughs> what was your favorite part about the studio? Their studio? Yeah. Honestly, is that you were in it with me? Don't tell Chris, Christopher. Aww. Don't be like this. So for the listeners that don't know, we actually have some guests sitting in here. And Chris is trying to act like the good guy in front of me. I am the good guy. I don't know shit. <laughs> you I don't know, know what you're talking about. World-class piece of shit. I'm a world-class. So, I don't know. My, me personally, <laughs> my uh, my um, my favorite part about it was obviously the the barber chair. Hmm? Right when you walk in, there was a barber chair. Oh, oh, when you walked into the right. We didn't even talk about that. They had a whole barber set up. And then, of course, Arun, who came with us, right? <laughs> we had some pancakes. We walked in. <laughs> That's just facts. Okay, don't don't well, don't don't make me the well, bad guy. Why, why, we had pancakes well, why at have, the house of pancakes. Jack's house of I, pancakes. I, I feel like that was out of line. You didn't have to bring up the pancakes. I had pancakes. Arun had pancakes, and you had, of all things, a country fried steak. What the fuck's wrong with you? I did. I know it was. Who eats that for their second breakfast? You chubby bastard. <laughs> That's a lie. You didn't have nuts in the airport. I did have nothing. Okay, why? that was your second breakfast. Wait, why, why, why are you looking at my, all my meals? Yeah, I've been tracking all your meals. Yeah, seriously. And I'm still leaner than you. <laughs> now we know you're lying. <laughs> all right. So another one of the issues that, that we talked about with inflation is as you get lower and lower in inflation, it becomes stickier and stickier. So the movement becomes very, very difficult to go down. Mm -hmm. So all this fanfare about we're making progress is probably a little early. So to John Williams' credit, that's probably true. But the yes. other thing we've also said is for inflation to go down, 34% of inflation is rent or rent equivalent, right? Right. Okay. So this from- The an, shelter component. The shelter will. component. If you will. Look mm -hmm. at you. Mm -hmm. I guess if you're a Nobel laureate, you got to act classy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Some of us just don't have that. Yeah. So from the next article we're going to read to you, this one's from the Wall Street Journal, is can inflation fall fast enough? But housing prices are excluded mm. from- 
from this calculation for a specific reason. And the reason why is they are affected by changes in rents used by the Labor Department not only to measure renters' costs, but also to impute changes in housing costs to homeowners. Right. So, but the Labor Department's reading on rents, like Said and I have talked about many, many, many times on the show, lags behind what has been happening in rents in newly signed leases. Mm-hmm. So we've always often talked about how we get all like excited about the things that we're hearing. People are like, oh, hey, man, rents in my area aren't going down, man, or home values in my area aren't going down, man. And we've talked about how much these are lagging indicators. Right. So this is why you can't trust it. And this is why sometimes that these are excluded from some of what the Fed's doing, their, their discretionary decision. Mm-hmm. It's just not reliable data, right? Right. So the newly signed leases, which metrics are from private sources such as Zillow, show, um, show um, have been cooling rapidly. So Effectively, what we're trying to say here is that Zillow's prices have been cooling rapidly, but the stuff you're getting from the Labor Department, which Arun is nice enough to pull on screen here, the change in rent prices from a year earlier, according to Zillow, has fallen off a cliff. But yet, the Labor Department reports have shown a rise. That's because that's because what they base their information off of is existing contracts and not what's actually being reported in the market. So. Well, there's a little bit of both, right? Some of that is existing contracts, now it's putting in the contract. Some of it's just lagging as real time as you can get up to, up-to-date information. Right. And some of it is the labor department's relying on multiple sources that come in at different times yeah. throughout the quarter and throughout the year. And for and for the listeners that want to know why this is considered such a big portion of the report, when they actually strip out, so they actually call this super core inflation. Mm-hmm. Do you know about this? Uh, Bruh. Bruh. Did you just mansplain to me with super core? Like, did you know about this? Don't act all sus and calling me bruh and doing all this. Bruh. I'm trying to appeal to the younger demographic listeners to the show. Uh-huh. If you weren't so insensitive to the younger people's plight, you would know that you have to speak to them in the vernacular they appreciate. I see. Like this show is lit. And you're very mid. This is dank. <laughs> <laughs> so super core inflation is when they strip out food and energy and shelter as well. Well, we know that the CPI report that came out came in at 4.9%. But when you strip out shelter as well, it goes down to 3.7%. Mm-hmm. Much closer to that target range. So keep in mind, the Fed's target is to get inflation down to that 2% target mark. And 4.9%, everyone's so excited. Inflation is cooling. Dude, it's still well above double what the Fed's trying to get to. And if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know that we've always said that home prices will have to come down, even though proponents like my friend Dave Ramsey here say otherwise. Oh, home home values are going to go up every year for the next five years. That's what, I've been in this business for 44 years. That is what's going to happen. I feel like when you call him your friend, you don't mean it. No, he's my friend. <laughs> look, the guys at Mind Pump have a tremendous amount of respect for him and John Delaney who are in the network. No, no, no. Look, I, I'm, I don't agree with all of his advice. Mm-hmm. Some of his advice is good. Mm-hmm. On this one point, I just I'm have a difficult time of letting it go. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but I will say this: some of his advice that's okay. It's not mm-hmm. bad. He's not malicious. He's certainly not like a Grant Cardone. Right, Grant Cardone. I fucking hate you. Let that be the record. Let, <laughs> let it be on the record. Yeah, <laughs> like you're right, a terrible human right, being. Rightfully so. Dave Ramsey just we'd have a disagreement. Scammed a lot of people out of it. And I mean, another component that we didn't touch on uh, in the services inflation portion is on I the like last. Touching on these things, you like touching a lot of things. See. You want that's why you're the villain. What what did I do? I didn't do that. You did that. Mm. So the reason why services inflation um is also taking a big hit. We know from the last uh episode, I believe it was, we talked about average hourly wages mm-hmm. going up four point four percent. Um so if wages go up, then those that that cost for services are gonna get passed on to yeah. the gonna get passed on to the consumer. 100%, yeah. So 
this is why the Fed trying to tackle wages, aka employment, right? Because if they can make that unemployment number go up, wages will come down, and therefore that portion of the CPI report will ultimately come down. Can I can I take a little sidebar from this, which okay. it, it does actually dovetail, but I just okay. We talked about it on previous shows, but I'm still pissed off about it, and I'm having a moment. Like this tipping shit's gotten out of control. This t- oh my god. So like I the, the something dawned on me the other day, and I got really pissed off that it took me this long to realize it. What is it? So I was already pissed off that everybody has those little electronic screens. They like flip around and they go, ah, there you go, yeah. and it says eighteen. 20 and 25. Like, what happened to 10, 12, and 15? Oh, yeah. Where's the other button? Like, what? And then the other button's always small. Why? Do you it's know? fucking tiny. Why? And if you hit it, they're like, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and they judge you. So here's what I don't like. Number one, why am I tipping you before you deliver me my shit? Right. Let's just start with that. Yeah. Okay? If I have to pay you first before you give it to me, I should not be tipping you. Right. I should go, oh, wow, this latte's fucking great. I'm going to tip Heather. Yeah. You know? Oh, my God. Like, this sandwich is awesome. I'm going to go give Kevin a tip. Yeah. Why do I got to tip you when, when I'm checking out? Because yeah. it's efficient? Bullshit. Bullshit. Okay? I'm not having it. No. Not okay. Not, not okay with that. You know. And, and, then then, make- and to make matters worse, when we're up there in San Jose and and the waitress came over and you and you referenced, you basically said, what did you say to her? You're like, it's because I'm fat. And then she didn't correct you and say, you're not fat. You were really hurt by it. And you wonder why people think you're the villain, bro. Well, but I'm just like, telling I'm a not- story. The, the <laughs> story, it was an accurate story. You're fat shaming. I'm, yeah, I'm see, not fashion. As two larger individuals, we are offended by your comments. As from the, I agree with Arun. You are fat shaming. From the person that is the king of fat shaming. I do not fat shame. I motivate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing this with you. I'm not do doing what? this with you. <laughs> I motivate. Arun, how many times have I tried to motivate you to work out? Through fat shaming. No, no. Fat shaming, as you perceive it to be, it's just my vehicle to motivate him yeah. to do what's best for his health. Best for his health. And how's yeah. that, that worked out for him, Chief? It has not worked out well according to the metrics, but he might not be, you know, be, he could be working out just not wearing his watch. <laughs> Arun, are you working out? No. Oh, shit. Okay, well, we lost it. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm honest. Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. I got till June 1st, you said. You, yeah, I got till June 1st. And then, then I said I was going to actually start fat shaming. So. Exactly. Uh, in in his defense, everything up until this point until June 1st is not fat shaming. It's motivating. After that, it will be officially fat shaming. Got it. Wait, it is pretty surprising how you have not been fat shaming. I know, I'm not. Because I don't feel like previous I don't... years, you usually fat shame. This no, no. That, 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 2023. That's, us- that's yeah. universally known as giving up, dude. No, it's not giving up. I haven't, I haven't given up on him. He will work out. He's, I just got to find ah! the way to properly motivate him. I don't know about that. He will. He will. Look, I know deep down inside he does what I do. You look at old photos of you, you're like, God damn it, I was skinny. Mm-hmm. And you're like, damn it, I want to be that skinny again. I know he knows. I know he feels that way. You think so? I feel that way when I look at old photos of me. What is it, Odin? What is what? Oh, that's not a good start. That's, 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 <laughs> that's not a good start. Repeat, repeat the question. Well, I yeah. wasn't done with my tipping thing. I'm going to let him go. Okay? Yeah. Stop watching porn. Yeah. <laughs> so now the tipping thing, the, the thing that dawned on me, though, that bothered, bothered me, Yeah, was that I realized they bring it to you now at your table at restaurants. I heard that this is what they do in Europe. This is, that, this, is that true? This is what I, they do in Europe, yeah. I haven't, I haven't traveled to Europe to know, but... But in Europe, they take your car, they charge you, and they turn the screen to you the same way, right? Like, I, I get it, but I don't like that either. And let me tell you why. If, I, if you give me good service or bad service and I want to tip you or not... Yeah. I shouldn't have to look you in the eyes while I'm doing it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. you should be holding, like, a screen in front of me saying... Do it. Yeah. Go I'm waiting. It. I'm wait- Yeah, yeah. Like it shouldn't be like, I should be able to put some shit in the billfold or write a number on the on the check and leave. Yeah. 
right? And then whatever you get, you deal with. Right. It shouldn't have to be like a human confrontation in order for you to get a tip. I completely If that's agree. the level that we're at, that's that's basically fucking blackmail. Yeah. You're extorting me into tipping you by giving me this. Why am I the bad guy? Why are you yeah. the bad guy? Yeah. No, I'm just saying, why are we the bad guys? No, I'm tipping in this country has got tipping all over the world has gotten out of control. You know what? I'm going to be the first person to say it. I know people, a lot of people in service industry are going to be pissed off about it, and I'm sorry in advance, but mm-hmm. honestly, if your business can't afford to pay you wages to live, okay, and you have to rely on tips, maybe you're in the wrong business. Maybe that business owner isn't the right person. Come on, man. Bro, I would much happier pay an a extra of- $10 for a steak or $15 for a steak. You're going to say that to like okay? single moms out there working two jobs? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. That's not a knock on them. Uh-huh. The proprietor should charge me more and pass more of those profits on to you, which I am very happy to do because I would like you to earn more wages than I would for you to have to rely on people's conscious. Yeah, and I, and I always want to want to know if like if I tip you through the credit card through the merchant services, how, are you how, really getting that? Yeah, how much is going to the actual? I employee? don't know, and right. don't make me the asshole because I'm not carrying cash. We all know how much you love Bitcoin. <laughs> Who <laughs> you? Who? Me? Yeah. Where's it at? I haven't checked recently. Where's it at? Bitcoin? Yeah. It's, it's not a 12000 no. <laughs> It'll get there, though. Arun, pull up Bitcoin while we're doing this. Can you pull up Bitcoin yeah. value, please? I love being able to tell him what to do. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I don't see it yet, though. 20, so maybe uh, 26690 We're on our way down. Down down 1% today. You got a long way to go, man. It's going to get there. You maybe, just watch. You just maybe wait you should and do watch. what you did on the last show and talk a lot of shit on NFTs and just see the price drops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah when, they were, when they were asking me on my pub if I had a board ape, I'm like, yeah, man, I got like four of them. <laughs> No, he was saying, Justin was telling, saying, you don't have any of that board Ape shit though, right? No, I don't. I, yeah, I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't. But uh, right. like I said, I had some notes. All right. So let's, let's, if Saeed can stop distracting us for five minutes. Jesus Christ. Are you still going to, are you done with the shelter component? I think I am. Okay. Well, so that portion of the report, I don't know if you mentioned it. This is the part where you did a lot of homework and you want to, you want to, okay, go ahead, flex. No, no, no. I don't want to flex. So if the overall, overall CPI index came in at 4.9%, shelter was up 8.1% year over year. So, again, to the point you're alluding to, let's yeah. be clear. Everybody across the country is like, hey, man, homes in my area haven't gone down, man. Right. I don't know what to do, man. This is crazy, man. Yeah. Let me take. I don't care where you live. This was largely the reason why I thought they were going to back away from their 2% target mark. I was like, there's no. They're because, gonna... because home values won't go down enough to make a dent? Exactly. Not. I mean. They still might. They won't. Know, they I, won't mean... I don't think they'll actually admit to walking away because of it, but they're going to try to act like, oh, Inflation is on a downward trend. We can start to pause. We can start to lower rates, and it'll it'll eventually get there. Even though they know that it it can't get there. You know, I used before the last FOMC meeting. I actually thought there was a world where Jerome Powell and the rest of the FOMC, and I, we keep personalizing calling it Jerome Powell, but it's really the seven voting members of the FOMC and the twelve aggregate members. We're but, all Jerome Powell's bitch. That is probably let that, accurate. Let yeah, that, that sink Yeah, it's Jerome Powell. Listen, motherfucker. This is how you're voting, Kashkari. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, you really got a thing against Kashkari. <laughs> I do got a thing against Kashkari. <laughs> just first of all, I'm just still mad that that I thought he was Iranian. <laughs> you tried to take credit. You're like, I really like Kashkari. Like, Kashkari sounds in, like doesn't sound Indian. Sounds Iranian. I was like, and then I saw him, and I'm like, you know what? I don't like anything you're saying right now. You probably are Indian. Yeah, <laughs> you're not one of us anymore, Kashkari. You're out. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just. The whole thing is just weird, but I, I look at the, what Jerome Powell's been saying lately, and I'm thinking, like, I I don't think they're done, man. I think we're going to see some more rate increases. And as much as is it, th- this is not good for me as a banker. This is not good for you. This this is not 
This is not what we want for right. us. No, we don't. And so I have some numbers here. So God damn, you came in prepared today. This is very weird. Well, this is this is this is the part that's scary to me. Okay. You being prepared, it's scary for me too. It's very scary. It's because there's guests. Oh, uh, there's guests. guests. You can no. Tell them in the studio. I got I got three f- close, close family members in the studio. Shout out to my German homies. Yeah. I know the Germans. Yeah. yeah. I like you very much. Yeah. Especially you. And we got an MD in the house. <laughs> He's a uh, who? Me? He's a drug dealer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what was that? That was that, that's a lingering cough I got going on. There's something, something about your body odor that comes off that. My body odor. You take See, one shower a day in the morning? That, that's some villain shit right there. Okay? <laughs> oh, that, that's man. the shit that you do. Okay. I want you to know this is where it comes from. Like, I'm not even good. trying to paint you this way anymore. Mm. Rune, back me up here. It's true. Oh, See? Man. You guys are it, it is true. And look, I take one shower because I've got naturally oily skin that comes very, very dry very quickly. Yeah. Okay, you wouldn't understand these problems because you have perfect olive glow. Oh, thank you, man. See, that's what non-villains do. Get the fuck out of here with your fuzzy knuckles. Okay, (laughs) fuzzy knuckles. Okay, so listen. So expectations, right? This is the scary part to me. And I know you think, you said on, on, I think on the last episode or two episodes ago, that the expectations for rate cuts are largely in part because you think people in the markets feel like something's going to break, the the Fed made a mistake, they're going to have to cut, right? I, I don't think that. Point of reference, the market, right? Bloomberg's World Interest Rate Probability Index has rate cuts starting in November of this year. November of this year? With a high probability of November of this year. Okay, so let me Whereas the FOMC has said, we are not cutting rates. Stop thinking we are. We are not cutting rates in 2023. Right. So as of right now, the odds for a rate cut in June are 4%. The odds from of what? From what? What's the Chicago rate? Mercantile Exchange? You love the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. I mean, that's where they really bet, bet on Fed, the Fed funds rate. And then for July, the odds go up to forty-five percent. In September, they go up to eighty-four percent. Let me tell you how this plays out. If the odds of a Fed cut are eighty-four percent in September, and they don't, what do you think is going to happen then? Market does not react well, my friend. I think yeah, exactly. Corp. Corporations are going to take a huge hit, right? At at some point, corporations are going to have to just own it. I mean, how many, how much more uh, expense management can you do if you do it in Q2 and then again in Q3? I mean, right now, corporations are projecting growth still. So let's be clear for those who listen to the show. The stock market and the prices that you see in the market are essentially really just a discounted cash flow on what the general consensus is by the market and analysts who have expertise in the subject matter in the sector believe that company will do as far as future earnings go. Yes. So the market is really driven off of how much money is your company going to make after expenses and take home. Right. And that's really what it comes down to for your stock price. So if right. you believe that earnings per share are going to go down or they're going to make less money in the future, yes. then the stock price should be downward, right? Right. If you think that company's going to make more money in the future, then that stock price should be upward. Right. And if you're a long-term player, you think to yourself, hey, if you want to buy stock in Apple, and you think Apple's going to make more and more money over time, right? then you buy Apple for the long term because you think, ultimately, they're going to make a shit ton more money in a couple of years than they are now. Right. And that's really all the stock market is. Everything else in between is just gambling. Exactly. So let's, let's lay down the framework here. The next CPI report comes out on June 13th. Mm-hmm. When's the Fed meeting next? Moment of silence. Yeah. The next Fed meeting, June 13th and 14th. So they're going to get another CPI report come out 
right before their meeting. And let's be honest, FOMC members, they get the report probably a day or two earlier than that. Wow. Conspiracy theory sites out here today. Conspir- First, it's villain site, not conspiracy theory Conspiratorial, site. bro. Come on. You know. I don't like conspiratorial. Every time you say it, I think you spelled it wrong. <laughs> I, like spelled, in my head. I spelled it wrong. <laughs> just, in my head, it just comes all wrong. I just, but every so, time you say it, I'm like, is he saying that right? We know right now, there. I mean, there's a, a good portion of the population that feel like the Fed has lost a little bit of credibility, right, with the way they're acting. Well, I think that the sad part is, is they're trying to act in a way that doesn't lose them credibility, but in doing right. so, they ultimately lost credibility. Right. Or now, as here's a younger the generation who's listening to the show would say, high key, they lost credibility. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. High key, right? So now here's the question. It Right now, all indications, I think 96% chance that they pause in June, as of right now. 96% chance? Per, per the CME. Okay, don't drink any more alcohol tonight. I'm just telling you, that's what it is. I, well, look, first of all, Chicago Mercantile Exchange, meh. They've been right every time. They're, well, eh, not every time. They have so far. So far, this cycle, they've been right every time. This cycle, every time? Yes, every time. So just hear me out. If they pause, what's going to happen if the Fed realizes, oh, shit, we fucked up. We got we to gotta start it back up again. I don't, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm mm-hmm. trusting you to keep you know, this in the cone of silence. Okay. Nobody else hears about this. Nobody else. All five listeners. Shh. All of you be quiet. Yeah. Little birdie uh, that's got connections to very high up politically told me that they fully expect there to be a pause in June, but another 25 basis points in July. So what happens then? What happens to the credibility of, of the Fed then? I don't, I don't feel like the market reacts well to that. I don't think the market's going to react well to whatever comes next anyway. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being if I'm being serious, which is difficult for me to do when I'm looking at you all the time. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, you're welcome. Just, I just want to hug you. I know. You know. Yeah. Um, if I'm being serious, I I still don't understand the macro strategy of the Fed. Yeah. Fourteen years artificial interest rate deflation. The Fed clearly consensus has acted a year too late, mm-hmm. and now here we are saying we're going to pump rates up five percent in a single year. Right. Why are we in such a hurry to fix a problem that we let run for way too long? Right. Why can't we let the economy do this a little bit long? Two years. Mm-hmm. Why can't we do it over two years? I agree. Why, why are we in such a hurry to get there? I don't understand the Fed's strategy, so it's difficult for me to opine on whether the, the Fed is going to lose credibility or this is part of the master plan that we don't understand. Perhaps they thought that it was going to get way out of hand if they didn't act this fast. Who knows? Okay. But we know... That if everyone's betting on rate cuts later this year, one of two things happen. We're either we're either in a recession. Oh, we are in a recession. No, we are. But I mean, two consecutive quarters of high key. We're in a recession. High key, the highest of keys. Some would say, like the higher standard. Oh, we're usually leave a good faith, honest five star review. <laughs> a good faith. <laughs> that was good. A good faith, honest, five star review. Okay. You don't leave a bad faith, five whether, star honest review. Whether that's on Apple or on Spotify, but if you're watching this on YouTube, which I I will have edited this this one, that's also a lie. Say <laughs> so he's not the world's greatest video editor. You know, at some point we'll hire other outside editors to do this for no, us, no, but no. I want us to learn the skill set. We need to the core skill set. The core. Like, I mean, Arun's really good at eating. You're really good at editing. We, we that's need what to, I want to get to. We need to strip out your food and energy, yes, to, to make sure we get to, <laughs> to the core. <laughs> to get to the core, to see the core. Uh, <laughs> hey, I gave myself but, my own testosterone shot today because I, I just didn't have time because I watched my son's basketball game. Uh-huh. I felt like a drug addict. I mean, it wasn't hard to miss, right? It's just anywhere in this vicinity. Just. I mean, yeah, that's kind of what, it, yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Have you done a lot of shooting your ass? 
No, like, you no, know exactly what it's like. Apparently, never, never. That was. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Carter had a basketball game today. No, well, he had his first basketball Ooh. practice. And let me tell you, I know that you would think that six five, like two something, that my son would be athletic and gifted just like daddy, mm-hmm. and he is, but not today. Not today. <laughs> not today. I love my son. Like, Honestly, adorable. though, ba- basketball is a really tough like first sport. Takes a lot of skill. Takes a lot of skill. So we start off with jujitsu with my son, right? Mm-hmm. And. We put him in jujitsu at like three and a half. Right. We loved wrestle me. I thought, okay, great. Like he'll go, like we'll play in the mats, the whole thing. Yeah. But they don't want the parents in the mats. They want, you know, the kids out there. He just could not get in the jujitsu. We couldn't get him there. And I'm like, all right, well, he does that it's at something home. You could always start later. He loves it. But then we took him to swimming. He doesn't swim at home. He loves the water. He loves swimming. Oh, okay. Today he had a, a for some reason, he had a terrible swim class, whatever. And then he had his first basketball practice today. And I've never pushed sports on. I don't even watch sports around him. He has no idea that I played basketball. Okay. But at home, we have a little, like, you know, a little Nerf basketball hoop. It's probably the height that you can dunk on. <laughs> and um, it's tiny, right? And, and really low. <laughs> it's sad because it's true. <laughs> but so, but he loves that thing. And, you know, he's like, ah, you know, he does the whole thing. And yeah. he plays, look, look, daddy, look. So we signed up for basketball. And his best friend, Cameron's in basketball with him. So we're like, this is the ideal setup. He's going to love this. And Man, I'm like, what, yeah. What a gangster duo. Cameron, what a gangster duo. Cameron, Cameron and Carter. Cameron and Carter, bro. CC in the house. Yeah, exactly. Chanel, baby. CC us. Yeah, no. What? No. no. Too, too far. Come on. Ride with me a little Coco bit. Chanel. I'm never riding Coco you anywhere. <laughs> anyway, so we get the basketball practice. And like, we're cheering him on. Like, yeah, Carter. And Cameron's in. Yeah. That little dude. Like he's in, he's a hundred percent. Like his family's Laker family. Like he knows, he knows how to dribble. I and I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be real though. But Carter, if if he if he just took his, if he just did it, better than every kid out there. Like he he yeah. he does it at home all the time. But it's like just, jumpers so from many, distance, so many kids out there. Is that why? He dribbled the ball once, mm. like the first two minutes. Dribbled the ball once. Yeah. Dropped it. Yeah. Like he just kind of like rolled out. You know, because it happens. Yeah. Immediately walked over to me, put his head down, sat in my lap the entire time, would not get back up. Oh, that's okay though. It's exactly what you do in the office. <laughs> it was weird. It was weird. First, first I'm like, first Saeed in the office, now you? No, I mean. I mean, this is awkward. Now I got to tell Joanna. It's just weird. It's, yeah. just, it's just really awkward. Like, hey, baby, you know Saeed sat on my lap, too, yeah. and cry, right? That's funny. That's yeah. funny. Adam, Adam and Ari had basketball practice today, too. Yeah. Ari made a shot. It was a big deal. She doesn't have the strength yet to get the ball that high. Just like you. This is a lot of reoccurring things I mean, here. she clearly gets her basketball yeah. skills from me. Yeah. yeah. Does she think she's as good as you thought you were, too? Dude, I was like, I was the real, I was high key good. <laughs> I don't know what's worse, the, the attempt to appeal to youth with with lies or the attempt to lie. A question for you, Chris. Yeah. Did any D1s come and scout you? Oh, that's true. Uh, Actually, no. I don't think so, no. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but in my defense, Notre it's, Dame. Because, it's because my height was actually listed as the right height, unlike somebody else we know here. Yeah, but the stat line spoke for itself. Mm. The stat line spoke for itself except for the height. <laughs> you lied about that. We had to to get the scouts to come. Otherwise, they weren't okay. going to come see a five A okay. guy. Okay, let me ask you a question. If I have to do something to get somebody to do something back to me, yeah, that's prostitution. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, you, you you hoard yourself out. No, you had to pay something to get something. Still, the services I, were rendered. I was still because of you I providing. Average, I was still averaging thirty. Thirty. Okay, just because you played on JV. at ABC at ABC camp. ABC what? Yeah, stop in Vegas. Nobody see, listening to the show knows that, that is. The fact that you don't even know that. I know what that is. I see. I play for AAU, bro. My bad. Sorry, who dunked on you? Oh, yeah. Uh, Everybody. Stra- yeah, Daryl Strawberry's son. 
then I came back down on the same play and splashed it through in his face. See, they they say I'm the original Splash Brother. That's oh, for the claim for your claim to fame being who dunked on you. That's not a good look. <laughs> that's a, no, but it was the <laughs> that's was, his only reference point. Hey, Said, who dunked on you? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. His son though, not even him. His son, yeah. DJ Strawberry. Yeah, modern so, day. His son's athleticism was good enough to dunk on you. I think he went to modern day. I think. That's right. Okay. Can we get back on target here? Yeah, let's do this. I got lots to talk about as far as, you know, financial literacy. And you're sitting over here talking about well, getting dunked on as your highlight reel for your, your childhood. Well, so just to, just to finish off that point, though. I don't want to finish your point off. If, if we do actually cut rates, we're in a recession, right? Or there's a significant crisis in the financial markets. That's a... Crisis? Are you crying? Yeah, man. It, it like I know that's going to be our sector. You want my honest opinion about this without sarcasm, which is going to be difficult for me to do? Mm-hmm. As I think we do have an honest crisis on our hands. I think uh, the banking sector is a canary in the coal mine for this crisis. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see a lot more in the days and months to come as it relates to how it impacts the banks. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to be an actual credit tightening cycle. Not what we're seeing now, our banks just don't want to lend, but an actual credit tightening cycle. Yes. And just to be clear here, Money spins around in the economy because banks have an obligation to lend it. And when they're afraid to lend and money stops spinning around, the quantitative tightening, the pulling the money out of the economic system that the Federal Reserve is doing, mm-hmm. combined with that, effectively shuts off pathways for growth for companies. Right. And then as the consumer starts to feel impacts from this and consumer discretionary pulls back like we know is going to happen. Yes. It's an all-out assault on companies in America. Absolutely. It's I mean, a recession like you just cannot appreciate yet. In in traditional recessionary economies, when corporations are going through it, a mild recession, corporations will lose earnings about 10%. They'll go down 10% in earnings for a mild recession. Mild, yeah. Uh, severe recession, 20%? For severe recession, yeah. 20%. What yeah. I mean, what what kind of messaging is that? Where Where do we go from there? I think you've already seen severe recession implications in the banking sector. Yeah, absolutely. You, you got banks that lost tons of money relative to their earnings and, last from a year ago. And some families actually made a huge come up from that. Ooh, foreshadowing to an article we're going to read later on, which I put in the show notes last minute. So kudos to you for catching that. Gang gang. Yeah. Okay. But before we get there, the Fed's stress tests were supposed to save banks from the exact crisis now engulfing markets. Yeah. Here's how they were spectacularly wrong, according to Yahoo Finance. And I'll save you the time of reading this. Dodd-Frank was supposed to prevent crises in the financial system by (sighs) testing the health of banks. What went wrong? So here's a primer, kids. Dodd-Frank was Senator Dodd and Senator Frank's solution to the Great Recession. Which, by the way, I think one of them served on the board of Signature Bank. I might, I think I'm right about that. Arun will research that as I continue on. Okay. So the Dodd-Frank Federal Reform Act came out in approximately 2013. Yes. After the Great Recession and all these banks had huge, huge losses in their loan portfolio, particularly as it related to hybridized, securitized loans Mm -hmm. from subprime lending and really low-doc or no-doc loans. Everybody could get a loan. And credit was leading the way for yet another recessionary economy. We've talked many times in the show about how every recessionary economy is different. So just because you solve the path for this one snowflake recessionary event doesn't mean that the next snowflake recessionary event, like the one we're in now, will be solved for. Mm -hmm. So, of course, this came out and it required stress testing, stress testing on banks above a certain size. And originally it was 
100 to 250 billion, 250 billion to 500 billion. There were different limits. Mm-hmm. But then in 2018, President Trump, then at that time, repealed some of this and pushed the numbers up to 500 billion and above in some cases. Yeah, what a hookup. So stress testing didn't apply to all of them. And that wasn't just because this is a political thing one way or the other. It's because it's a lot of work on some of these companies. Mm-hmm. But companies like Silicon Valley Bank, banks that were $200 billion or just below, had just met that threshold and hadn't actually been in the stress testing in this environment. Mm-hmm. But let's walk through what would have happened had they have been stress tested. Yeah, let's do it. The stress test for banks this size and above and even lower is 4% for their interest rate inflation risk in a single year. So break that down. What do you mean by 4%? So I'm glad you asked me, Saeed. If you were to stress test a bank's portfolio and say interest rates were to go up by 4%, mm-hmm. that would be your Fed severe adverse case, worst case event scenario if interest rates were to increase in a single year. Yeah. That's what the Fed required. So all banks stress test their portfolios to 4%. And they said, okay, if if rates go up 4%, look, bank regulators, yes, we're still in business. Our ratios are still strong. We're still healthy. So you take the rates of the loans that are currently on your books and you increase them by 4%. Not just the rates of the loans. You increase your, your, your depository rates, all the rates across the board. So keep, yes. so keep in mind, as the Federal Reserve increases the Fed funds rate, Yes. The rates you pay on deposits go up and the rates on loans that you would make in the future go up, but it takes time to make more loans to move your weighted average coupon of your portfolio. Got it. So think of it this way. Everybody comes to you immediately and says, hey, Chris, my deposits are priced at 2%. I want 5% now. Right. That happens immediately. But in order to get loans, you have to go out, get people to come in, want a loan from you, make the loan. It takes 30 to 60 to 90 days, depending on what type of loan it is. It makes make it- those loans. And you got to make billions of dollars of loans because you got billions in your portfolio. So it takes a lot of time to move the weighted average rate in that portfolio up. And you can imagine during a time like this when people are asking for an increase in their deposit account rate and banks right now are actually holding back, waiting for the Fed to pause so that they can start lending again. It becomes problematic. But in a worst case event scenario, all banks were stress test to 4% above the current market at the time a year ago. Right. But what did the Fed do? They raised rates 5% in a single year, knowing that no banks that they regulate have been stress tested to 5% because the requirements were four. Because anything above four had been unprecedented. Right. So doing this in a single year means that we have pushed banks beyond a limit which which they were prepared to go. Mm -hmm. And yet we are shocked at all the stigma that's happening out here. Right. Yet another reason why I'm saying, okay, if we could have done this over two years and you did 3% in year one, 2% in year two, 3.5% in year one, 1.5% in year two, or mm-hmm. even more in year two, it's 4% stress every single year. Banks would have been okay. Mm-hmm. But to do it in a single year this way, of course the stress test failed. And you know that the F- FOMC members knew that this was, this was going to happen. Not only did they know, people right. forget the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. has more than one job in monetary policy. Absolutely. They aggregate data. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of other things, but chiefly among that, number three, they regulate banks. Yes. They are responsible for these rules and making sure they're in place. Right. At the same time, another arm is responsible for monetary policy. Mm-hmm. They have the audacity to come out that this is because of poor risk management. And that's where this all falls apart. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read from the article, The Road Ahead. Where we go from here will be more about stiffening regulations. Rolling back the requirements in 2018 was a mistake. You had Congress and regulators saying, don't be aggressive on banks this size. 
Now we're seeing the results. The Trump law granted the Fed, FDIC, and the Office of the Comp Control of the Currency, also known as the OCC, the right to reserve the breaks for mid-sized banks if they find it necessary. Mm. That is an article which shows a complete lack of knowledge. This, of course, was from Todd Phillips, a regulatory consultant from the former FDIC official. So it shows a complete lack of knowledge of the functionality of the banks. They want to place the responsibility on banks. And, and again, I'm a banker. You're a banker. This is, this is not a bias. This is not me having a personal just bias around you, this whole well, topic. They make out the rules. You play by the rules. And now you get punished for playing by the rules. 100% they do. Yeah. And the problem that I have with articles like this that come out is that they're squarely putting the responsibility on banks being, ooh, this bank failed because they they weren't held to the higher standard. Go ahead and leave that on his five-star review right now. We need Come it. on now. Stop it. Yeah, meow. pull over to the side of the road. Right, meow. Yeah. Meow. <laughs> uh, but it's not true. And, and I don't like the spin that I'm seeing in the news and, and the way we're demonizing people. Look, I, I understand that Banks were part of the problem in making loans and the secondary market. Wall Street was part of the problem in buying those loans during the Great Recession. Right. But banks didn't do this. No, no, no. Let's be clear. No. They didn't do this. Banks played the way they had to play. And people are like, oh, community regional banks are getting smashed. Community regional banks are getting smashed because there's only there's only way this works. Okay. And I know this is really upsetting for some. Okay. <laughs> you, you're not Chase Wells and B of A. Right. Okay. You want to play in this space? You got to offer higher deposit rates and you got to make loans at lower rates yeah. because you're not Chase. You're not Wells. You're not Citibank. Right. You're not a globally systematic important bank. Right. Like Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse. Yeah. You're not Suisse. No. How did the Germans say Credit Suisse? <laughs> did they say Credit Suisse? Yeah. Like that? Like that. Like that. Can, for, for the listeners, we, we can say that because we have Germans in here that are nodding their approval. Yeah. They are giving me the approval by nodding their head up and down. Yeah. yeah. You know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So they are doing that. Yeah. Suisse. So I got had a messed up visual right now when you're like, this isn't the bank's fault. Uh, I just had a visual of Jerome Powell like walking in to the next FOMC meeting with Shaggy playing. It wasn't me. <laughs> It wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> it was them. It wasn't me. <laughs> Which is, what was that, like the 90s? Yeah, man, come on. Hey, Arun, pull up Shaggy's like bio. What is he doing now? <laughs> He's gone, He's bro. He's for sure a janitor, right? <laughs> He's a janitor. <laughs> <laughs> Remember my song from the 90s, man? <laughs> yeah. Shaggy. He's still performing, dude. Uh, How old is this guy now? Well, he was born in 68. He's 54? Wow. All right. Kingston, Jamaica. So he really was Jamaican. Okay. I mean, yeah, he had to. Could have faked yeah. the accent. Burrell was born on October 22nd, 1968 in Kingston at the age of 16? 18? I can't read that 18. far. He moved to his new moved to New York City with his mother. Mm. Shaggy enlisted in the United States. Wow, he's a he's a military veteran. Holy he, shit. Well, he enlisted. In the military in the Marine United States Marine Corps in, in 1988 and obtained an MOS in 0811 field artillery cannon crewman. Oh, wow. My bad. He served with the field artillery, uh, artillery battery in the 10th Marine Regiment during the Persian Gulf War. No shit. Dude, listen. the highest rank he achieved was Lance Corporal, although he was reduced in rank twice, probably from banging somebody in the bathroom floor. Shaggy perfected <laughs> his signature. Uh, Toasting? Toasting voice? While well, he was in the Marine Corps. 
Wow. Well, I bet you didn't well, know you're gonna learn something about Shaggy today. Shit, I appreciate your service, Shaggy. I yeah. had no fucking hey, idea. Put some respect on his name. I put put some respect on my name. Yeah, put name it. Name the interview. What? Name the interview. Come on. Put man. some respect on my name. Babyface. Babyface. Is that his name? God damn it, Saeed. Cash Money Records on the Breakfast Club. What's that? Little baby, baby, bro. Not little baby. <laughs> you don't know it either. It's not Babyface. What's his name? Birdman. Birdman. There it is. Who would know this Germans would know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I named the interview, though. Birdman walked in. What was it? Hot 97? No, Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. There it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's your pop culture test for the week, kids. Brought to you by the Higher Standard. <laughs> yeah. Once again, this episode is sponsored by... Nobody. Yeah. Wow. Shaggy was a... Put some respect on my name. An expression baby. coined in so 2016 so by Baby, is, a.k.a. Birdman. So it was Baby, just we were not both Baby wrong. Face. All right. Commonly used in response to being disrespected, spelled the traditional way, not respect, spelled R-E-S-P-E-C-K. Right. Lied on and or when someone has got you completely fucked up. <laughs> I love UrbanDictionary.com. <laughs> I swear to God. Yo, Brandon, I heard you were dancing with the girl... With no teeth last night. Brandon, put some respect on my name. <laughs> Playboy. Spelled P-L-E-B-O-I. Brilliant, dude. UrbanDictionary.com. This is, this is brilliant. Somebody wrote this. <laughs> That's my point. That's why I love. Somebody took the time. Put some respect on my name, Playboy. <laughs> oh, shit. It's too easy. Speaking of pimps, let's talk about Jamie Diamond, shall right, we? Put, hey, put some respect. Put oh, some respect uncle, on his name. Uncle Jamie Diamond. Uncle Jamie Diamond. Uncle JD warns that panic will overtake the markets as the U.S. approaches debt default. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. Which is all horse shit. Jamie Diamond's like, how do I get my name in the press today? I mean, this is obviously good PR for him. He knows that the deal's going to get done. Let me go out there and act like I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, he's a politician. But let's let's read the politician. He knows what he's doing. J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Diamond said Thursday that markets will be gripped by panic as the U.S. approaches a possible default on its sovereign debt. What? Say it ain't so. Yeah. (laughs) An actual default would be potentially catastrophic. For the country, Diamond told Bloomberg in a televised interview. That's that's convenient. Can you believe it? Wow. Diamond said he expects the worst case scenario will be avoided. However, because lawmakers will be forced to respond to growing concern. Mm-hmm. Diamond joined a host of business figures and administrative officials making dire predictions about the consequences of falling, failing to raise or suspend the U.S. debt limit and allowing the world's largest economy default on its bonds. All this from the CNBC Instagram. Yeah, well, you know what? That's where I get my news. It's reliable as shit, bro. Instagram. Shout out to Jamie Foxx. Apparently, his families are uh, oh, making man. plans for the worst case scenario. I saw that. This that- according to Instagram news again. Don't know if it's real or not, but it sounds real. That's sad. Yeah, what the, that's so weird what's going on with him. I don't like that, yeah. All right, anecdotally, but also J, same, Jamie Diamond said at the same time, not in the show notes, but still important, he came out and said that uh, short-selling bank stocks should not be allowed. I agree. Also among a growing chorus of people in the business. How do you, I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you mean, do you think they could actually legally pass something like that? Yes. I mean, whether they should or shouldn't. But no, I, I think they could. Let me explain why. It, okay. Short-selling any company, right, good or bad, Mm-hmm. All good, short sell them, whatever. Short selling a company to drive them out of business, however, man, not so good. You I don't think know. that's the intent, though? I mean, there's there's a case to be made that if like short sellers are trying to short sell to gain money, they don't actually think that 
the company's going to shut down. They're trying to still gain their money, right? No, they're trying to get paid on the way out. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's a risky game. It is a risky game, but at the same time, here's what, the bank stock sector is different. Mm-hmm. If you're short selling this bank stock, you're not really betting, betting on the fundamentals at that point because the fundamentals of a bank's financial wherewithal have nothing to do with the stock price. Yeah. They're, they're, their money comes from the depositors, not from their stock price. Mm. So it's it's a fallacy to think that that I really don't think that banks should be publicly traded the same way for a lot of different reasons. So it's not yeah. like I'm knocking necessarily short sellers in general. It's what just, happens to the shareholders when, um, let's say, a company is you know going down, their stock price is going down, going down before right before they if they get seized, right, they sell to another bank, but their stock price t- has taken a major hit. Like let's just say First Republic. Imagine if First Republic wasn't wasn't seized by the FDIC, mm-hmm. right? And instead they sold right before that. They would get paid some uh, incremental dollar amount for their shares. I see. Nothing nothing significant though. Okay. But for people who buy them, it's a major come up. Absolutely. Cla- classic point in case. The family behind First Citizens Bank is one billion with a B. B-b-b-b-b. There's some respect on his name. This guy, he's richer like, since he, Silicon Valley Bank. He looks rich. He does look like does a rich he? asshole. Yeah, he looks like he's like giving like the half smile because he's so rich he doesn't care about smiling. You know the real rich guys have like that fake comb over. That's what he's got. I mean, that's I have a twenty six thousand dollars hair transplant. I bet you his is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his that's all real. <laughs> it's like I get enough Dude, sun in my day from being outside. When you're that rich, you don't have to get a hair. Like, transplant. you don't think yeah. he actually works, right? This guy? No, like he just like goes and like shows up. At like, that leaves. point, he's walking in every day. Thinking he's Jamie Dimon. Like, he's the kind of guy who wakes up in the morning and cold plunges because he thinks it's going to make his life live like longer, right? Like, like life longer. <laughs> What's up with like, people? He's not a cold plunge, like, real, like, I believe in fitness. He's like, I'm going to live forever because I'm rich. If for the, for the people out there that cold plunge and you're showcasing it, okay, look, first of all, I don't have a problem with anybody cold plunging. I have a problem with you putting that shit on Instagram every Why are you trying morning. to act like you're better than me? Why does it got to be day 30 of you cold plunging? Like, that makes you a better human. Yeah, why you got to... Look, you're going out of your way to set up the camera, jump in the cold plunge. Like, no one gives a shit, dude. Yeah, like, unless I don't post name, every time I shave my arms. Unless your name is Joe Rogan, stop. Just even stop. Joe Rogan's like, I get up first thing in the morning, I do it every single morning because I know I won't do it the rest of the day. I respect that. I wouldn't do it either. Yeah. But damn. God, like, all these people... <laughs> I, was, I was hating on it hard and you know, on the... On my Instagram, like search. I'm not gonna page. lie, I want a cold plunge though. No, you. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Why? I do, but I don't want to like, like you know, put it out there in the world. Like, hey guys, I'm better than you. I cold plunge. I would get. I would be cool with getting a cold plunge if it was like the one like the mind pump guys have, but not the ones that look like just a barrel. Where no, you no, just, no, no, no. I don't yeah. want that shit either. <laughs> I gotta go buy ice and put it in this that's shit. Stuff. No, get the fuck out of here. That's that, a bathtub. That's a lot of work. For, well, if you have one of those, you have to put ice in it. Just why don't you use the bathtub? Yeah. Fill it up with water, put some ice in it. Same shit? Uh, yeah, exactly. How am I the bad human here? They just wanted that feeling of being able to jump in and let the water Literally, just, just want to say they have a plunge. Yeah, look, hey, this is my cold plunge. I guys. have a cold plunge. You guys see that over there? Yeah. I use that. Yeah, look how hard I am. Don't point to your penis when you said that to me. Oh, dude, you said, look how hard I am. You did that on camera. I, I did we'll not. review that shit, okay? I, I did not. You did too. Did. You look, look how hard I am. You... Out for hey, time stamped. Time. It's time stamped that, okay? 5331. <laughs> Don't do the titty pops <laughs> while you're doing that too. It's so wrong. All right. God damn it, Saeed. I'm fucking up the whole flow of the show right now, okay? From Bloomberg Business, a few months ago, Frank Holding Jr. That's always a junior. Always. Always. Which meant that Senior had a lot of money. But he was the true gangster. Senior. Right. Junior's like, I drive Ferraris. But no, I mean, for the most part, don't. a lot of times people say, I'm not saying this is the, this is the case, but they say the prince is a bitch compared to the king. Right, I've never heard anybody say that. My yeah, because they because they run that shit down down to the grave. This guy is actually taking it to the next level. 
I got to be honest, Prince Harry, as a fan of the royal family, I'm offended. Really? What was the name of that? Odin, what was the name of uh, the prince in The Gladiator? He was a bitch. Bro, The Gladiator was a fabricated movie. Nah, man. That's a true story. It's not a real... Come on. I believe that. I believe that. Really? Yeah. Why do you think they portrayed him out to be a bitch? Even my light freaked out. (laughs) 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 Really? Prince uh, Commodus. Commodus, bitch. Was the son of Marcus Aurelius and later Roman Emperor. Not he was the son of Marcus Aurelius? Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he was the brother of Prince Lucia, uh-huh. uncle of Lucius. Yeah. He later killed his father after the announcement. Bitch uh, move. General Maximus. Killed his father. Bitch move. Unbelievable, this guy. I'm not sure we're proving any points. Let's go back to this, the Bloomberg article room because Said is clearly... Not interested in doing a show that educates people anymore. He just wants to be a pop culture icon. You're right. I got, I got, I got stuff on so this. You, you, point, you, you point right to your groin again. No, no, I, I pointed to my phone. <laughs> a few months ago, Frank Holding Jr. was the head of a little-known lender in Northern Carolina. Mm. Or North Carolina. Either way. <laughs> now, <laughs> following the turmoil in the U.S. regional banks, he's sitting atop one of the world's fastest growing fortunes. This is what we're doing. That's an okay. understatement, by the way. They're now a top 15 bank. I know. It's incredible. It's fucking insane. Holding and his extended family have seen the value of their holding in First Citizens double since late March after the rally-based lender emerged as the buyer for Silicon Valley Bank's assets. And just a recap, refresher for everyone, they bought SVB at a discount, $72 billion of their assets at a discount of $16.5 billion. It's tough life. With shares now at a record high, that stake is worth about $2.2 billion, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index. Mm. Goddamn. Yeah. And that, that that's what I call turning a frown upside down, kids. Mm-hmm. Should I be mad about uh, First Citizens Bank buying uh, these assets at a massive discount? No. Probably. Am I? Yeah. This isn't the first time they've yeah, done I it. I can't remember what other bank they, they purchased, but they pur- they purchased a bank in uh, 08, too. I'm not happy about this. Yeah. Why? Because it's not me. They were well, they were well positioned. I'm, I'm actually like proud of them. I've been well positioned for a long time. Ain't nobody selling me banks, bro. So, yeah, I feel like be- you saying you're well positioned is a sexual undertone. And that's why you're the villain. Okay. <laughs> You, you, I'm not giving you any sexual undertones. You knew. Yeah. <laughs> we got cameras now. Yeah, you oh, yeah, shit. I didn't do that. <laughs> You'll have to turn to YouTube to find out what I did yeah. or did not do. Right. Yeah, well, all right. Well, so, yeah, I'm going to pass on from the billionaire index to talking about things that are probably a little bit more closer to home for those of us who, uh, I don't know, ever used uh, Airbnb. Yeah, I love Airbnb. According to Forbes... Grain of salt, it's Forbes, so you know they're for sale. <laughs> Airbnb stock craters. Co-founders lose $4 billion in one day. Love to say I was sad about it. Wasn't sad about it. Right. Shares of Airbnb crashed Wednesday after the property rental giant projected the busy summer travel season may not be such a boon for the business this year. Knocking out billions of dollars from the fortunes of their top executives as a San Francisco-based travel firm loses its luster among investors. Mm. The stock subsequently fell 12% to $112 in early trading, hitting about its lowest price in three months in its largest single-day drop since $146 initial public offering in December of 2020. Now, this has lots of ramifications, what we said. Number one, consumer discretionary spending pulling back. Absolutely. There you go. They're already seeing it. Number two, 
We said that stocks are generally valued on their future earnings expectations. Here's where they clearly suggested their earnings would be lower. Their stock dropped lower. Right. That's what we mean by we say it's a discounted cash flow. They're going to make less money. Exactly. The price goes down. That's all the stock market is, kids. Not as easy for a company like Airbnb to manage their expenses. No. Right? They Not can't, so much. Yeah, they just can't have like a reduction in force. Currently trading at a $111.20. Thank you, Arun. <laughs> but here's the macro problem with Airbnb. To okay. date, to get to where they're at, they started in a sector that was not around. So when they had their IPO in December 2020, how do you value a company that's doing something that no one else has ever done? I agree. Yeah. Right? So it comes out, and generally speaking, when a company, like a new bank comes out for an IPO or somebody comes out for an IPO, you have a sector. And you can look at previously similarly situated companies that have traded in that sector and say, okay, this is what similarly companies trade for. Mm -hmm. This is the multiple on their earnings because, again, the stock market's all about earnings. Right. So if this, their earnings for a year is this and you give them a multiple of 1.5, 1 1.2, whatever, you have, you have a way to value the company. Right. You can't value a company like Airbnb that comes out. Right. Their entire growth model since then has been on taking on more and more hosts on the platform. Get as many hosts on the platform to have as many units as you can rent out and you can grow. Right. I don't believe that strategy moving forward will be successful for them. Mm. I think there will become a point where they're too saturated in the market and they need to find a way to highlight better operators than other operators. And the the rating system ain't getting it done. Um, I see. I mean, do I, you see? Do you, I don't see, really see them ever really going away, but maybe they'll get. Um, Am I the only person that says fucking Airbnb? I want room service. Yeah, I, I like I love Airbnb. I want to be able to order a burrito at two o'clock in the morning, and I know I know people will be like, "Oh, go to Postmates, man." No, 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 no. I want to sit in my room, uh, what, jet the, spa, like a hot tub damn, on. The, the hotels that I go, the kitchen gets closed. This guy flexing again with his black card. The hotels that I go to, kitchen stays open all night long. Yeah, what hotels do you stay at, Chris? Yeah, exactly. Let's give me give I me some. I can't even think of the last hotel that served food after ten. Yeah, the Ritz. All right, boys, you go to Vegas. <laughs> Been to Vegas, yes. Those rooms do not close room service. Okay, hold on, bro. Yeah, this no one's getting usually walks no one's getting an air. <laughs> yeah, no one's getting an Airbnb. In a Vegas little rule: I live by a room. I don't need out of food courts anymore. I'm too wealthy for that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you don't need a food courts anymore. Yeah. That's a, that's actually. If a I lie. have to walk into a general commissary and pick food, I'm out. <laughs> that's that's not true. We Yahtzee. do it at work all the time. No, no, no. I walked into a food truck. <laughs> that's different. I'm living in, a, in like a cultural. This is like a cultural phenomenon I'm living in. Oh, you're, you're like trying, you know, like the Koji trucks that came out back in the day. You're, you're trying to be one. I'm of the hip. People. I'm cool. You one of the I'm people. down with the lingo. Put some respect on my name. So you 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 trying to be one of the people? <laughs> yeah. Playboy spelled P L E B O I. Yeah. Playboy. Play. <laughs> but if I have to walk into like a commissary and like. Pick between like five restaurants that are all operating with like tile backsplashes. I'm out. Nah, <laughs> bitch, you just lazy. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You call me late. The man who took off his Apple Watch to stop working out. Oh, see how Odin. See how quickly he turns against you. I'm not turning against him. I'm just saying you can't call me lazy, bro. Like you, you know. Wait, just because I'm lazy doesn't mean I can't call anyone else. Big lazy? pot, fat kettle. We can't call each other black. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's just, Hey, I'm gonna let you sit in that. <laughs> I'm gonna let you sit right there in that. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna touch it. Pot can't call the kettle black. It's, yeah, it's, you're it's right. A reference. I, Why? Don't do that. Hey. Don't don't get us canceled before we get popular. <laughs> I, I'm gonna let you sit. I want to get some fame first. Hey, you you made huh? your bed. Now lay in it. Fucking lay in that shit. Arun, do me a favor. Pull up the, pull up the expression. Pot call no, the kettle black. No, oh. <laughs> okay, that's an expression. 
Okay? Okay. That's a real expression. Okay. This is why you're the villain. You think shit like that. Arun, pull it up, please. For the love of God, pull it up. <laughs> oh. Oh, God. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Something you say that means people should not criticize someone else for a fault that they have sometimes, okay? Yeah, right. This is the pot calling the kettle black expression. We'll call Accuse you black. me of being selfish. Talk about the pot calling the kettle black, okay? We'll call you black. The, My bad. No, the kettle. <sighs> I can't even talk to you anymore. I'm the, I, this is a problem. For you, I'm, the, bro. I, I'm the pot. You're the kettle. I can't call you black. Yes, then you can say it. There you go. All right. <laughs> what else you got, Chief? I'm so far off course. You're going to have to bring us back. <laughs> <laughs> you can have the realist back in. Do whatever you got to do. So this from a report, not the best segue, from Bloomberg. Monthly mortgage payments could surge. Oh, this is the one I pulled up while you were in my office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when we were working. Yeah, when um, we were working. Monthly mortgage payments could surge 22% if the U.S. defaults. And what, what they mean by that is if what Janet Yellen and everyone's been saying, and now Uncle Jamie Dimon as well, if they don't raise the debt ceiling by June 1st, there's real concern that the U.S. could default on their debt payments. So this from the Bloomberg article titled, titled Monthly Mortgage Payments Could Surge 22% of U.S. Defaults, which which Saeed just can't do because he's not the better host. Mortgage rates could soar to 8.4% if the debt ceiling isn't raised, pushing the mortgage payment on a typical home 22% higher mm. and cooling property sales. Oh, I bet you the Fed's not upset about that at all. So it's kind of the intention. Right. According to a report from the real estate firm Zillow. God damn it, Zillow. Borrowing $500,000, $500,000 at 8.4% would mean a monthly payment of more than $3,800 compared to with about $3,095 with rates at 6.3%. So so they're saying rates would go up if if we if the US defaulted on their payments. And what what they mean by that is right now currently we're at $31.4 trillion in debt, and there isn't enough money now. Basically, the U.S. doesn't generate enough money every year to pay their debts. And every time this happens, what do they do? They raise the debt ceiling. This will be the 79th time. In a row. In in a row. Yeah. That they've done. They've never not done it, for the record. Um, so, But it's a real it's, it's a real concern. We've, we've covered it on the show. The GDP to debt ratio is or the debt to GDP ratio is above 130%, I believe. So you, <laughs> this is eventually going to going to happen. At some point in time, they're not going to be able to pay their debts because I think the US only generates about 4 to 4 and a half trillion dollars per year. Mm. And yeah. if their debt payments right now on 31.4 trillion are approximately 1.5 trillion, 1.6 trillion based on the Fed funds rate, I mean you're paying as much in your debt payments as the U.S. is paying for their military. Mm -hmm. Which let, is the largest military in the world. Let that shit sink in. I don't like letting my shit sink. Let it sink all in. the way in. Shouldn't it sink out? Just from just a pure, I don't know what you got going on over there, but from a <laughs> physiological perspective, mine sinks out. Right. So that's why this is this is a, a real concern. What do you think if, if let's just say, let's, let's play this game. I don't like playing games with you. Not Odun's games. Okay, all right, fine. Let's play let's play this game. If the US does default, obviously they're gonna have to stop making payments on something. No, they have two do you hear the two theories in this? What? There you did not listen to anything I said during the mind pump interview, did you? No, I did. Theory number one is that they they they've put out there in the world. They've already they've already architected this. This is not just my conjecture. Okay. There's they have two choices. They can either pay some debt 
pick and choose who's going to get paid. Or that, yeah, that's my point. They can not pay anybody and hold the money and pay everybody when they've got enough cash to pay everybody. Right. No, but so what you guys were referencing was like paying like you know government bonds. I'm talking about social security get cut. No, same thing. Welfare. Same conclusion. I mean, what what what, what do you think gets cut first? I don't think anybody. Well, first of all, it doesn't happen. Seventy. It's not seventy eight. The last seventy eight times they raised the debt ceiling. The only that's 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 making this so look look okay. Let's be real with one another. Mm-hmm. Okay, and for the Germans in the rooms, this is how American politics work. Okay, I know it's very confusing, but this is the way it goes. Okay, <laughs> the Senate and the House have vacations scheduled. End of the month. Yes. End of the month. They want to get this shit solved, but they're also not above delaying it until after their vacations. Either way, everyone's gonna puff their chest up and be like, "I'm not agreeing to this until the other side does this." But the fact of the matter is. This is pure conjecture and a pressure point that both sides can use to get something out of the other side. Right. And every single time, last 78 times, we've raised the debt ceiling. Somebody on one side or the other gets something that they want mm-hmm. because time is of the essence. Right. This is no different. They're not going to default on shit. They're going to raise it a 79th time with lots of fanfare in the media and political stigmatizing. Mm-hmm. Because it helps everybody get the pressure they want in order to get something passed, which gives one side the advantage of the other one. Right. This is just how humanity works in the political realm. Mm. There's no sense in trying to forecast or project some of these behaviors. Just accept it for what it is. I'm not going to sit here and pontificate what one side or the other side is going to get. I'm going to live with whatever the decision is because I have no control over it. Mm -hmm. But be clear. This will get raised the 79th time out of the 79th time. Why it's being covered I don't know why, after 79 times in a row. Yeah, I feel like the valuable piece of information here is that we have $31.4 trillion in debt. It is, and it's not getting smaller. It's only going up. Yeah. If you were giving advice to the government the same way you gave advice to someone who came to you saying, hey, I've got a lot of debt, you'd be like, file BK. I mean, You got way too much debt now, bro. You can't get out, you can't get out of this hole. It's crazy to me. If this was any other business, they would have claimed bankruptcy by now. Mind you, mind you. Income tax mm. was created during World War II by people like Milton Friedman, economists who we respect immensely. He won a Nobel in 1976, worked under Reagan. Friedman. Guy was fucking brilliant. Friedman, yeah. Milton Friedman. Okay. His theory of monetarism won him a Nobel Prize in 76. The ultimate gangster. Ultimate G. His mm. quotes on YouTube are still iconic and still very relevant to this day. Mm. He regretted helping the government build income tax because during the World War II, Mm-hmm. It was helping them get the money they needed in order to pay for the war. Right. And then after the war, they're like, fuck, we like this money. Yeah. Let's keep this we shit. We're going to keep this income tax shit. <laughs> yeah, let's keep it rolling. This is fire. Yeah. As the kids would say. Fire. Low key. <laughs> Low key. Fire shit. <laughs> okay. They kept it. Milton Freeman regretted it to the day he died. Yeah. Okay. Right. High key. High. High <laughs> <laughs> So major key, major key alert. Yeah. But here we are now still on top of this. And this is is the argument we have with mind pump where I just, I don't know why we have this weird ass societal need to, to be the number one currency in the world. I understand there's implications in the United States of, you know, people trading off of, I don't know, the dong or the bot or whatever. The dong, right? The dong, dong billionaire. We need to find a way to deal with the debt. And no politician to date has ever made a dent. Right. And I think it's beyond, it's beyond help. Well, they, they've realized that they don't need to. 
they'll they'll get reelected even if they don't. Why? No, no. It's what incremental benefit can you give in between leveraging the debt to get what you want? Absolutely. Yeah, I know. It's manipulation and it's purest form. Mm. High key. Okay, high key. <laughs> what else you got, Chief? We're now approaching the hour and ten minute mark. I got a lot. Oh. Wow, Arun's pulling up like bro, you like prompting us to end the show? Yeah. I want to go for another hour. <laughs> you know you don't. Yeah, I do. You're getting too comfortable. Do you I can't believe you did two and a half hours at Mind Pump. He's buzzing right now. He is. He's feeling good. First time he's been shit. drinking like this. I had a rough day, bro. Today was a rough day. Today was a rough day. So I would say if, if I could characterize today, I would say today was probably one of the most demoralizing days of my career by far. Yeah. And then I had to see you midday. <laughs> so on, I made it, was, it. I made it a little better. Bro, you walked in at the wrong time. I did. I've been hit with like a plethora of information that I was just like, who can I punch in the groin? <laughs> and then you walked right in and I was like, him. Yeah, I can punch him in the groin. I was a little harsh on you. I'm sorry. I, I, I apologized to you earlier, but I, I feel uh, bad. That's what a good teammate does. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that I made a reference to your boobies. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was a rough day for me, man. So I needed I needed a couple cocktails in me. And I appreciate you guys all being here. Even the Germans. Yeah. Yeah. That's sexy. I like you. Very nice. But shout out to the um, subscribers that just joined YouTube. Arun, bring the stats up. Let's see those metrics. Apple has 186, actually 187, I believe. Um, double check that. I think we got another one recently today. <laughs> He's going to edit it in real time. Spotify, 112. And YouTube had 20, but we lost one. Fuck that person. Down to, nine, <laughs> down to 19. <laughs> so... Uh, so come on over, come on over to YouTube and start subscribing. We got the shows up there. We're gonna start putting up some clips. You know, I've got a lot of positive feedback from people about the YouTube stuff. Yeah, lots of DMs, like finally, blah blah blah. And I know for those of you out there who've seen the YouTube videos like this, I want you to know that the quality isn't exactly where we want it to be. And I think Excited and I have some ideas. We'll come back in tomorrow, which is not a recording day for us, and we'll fix some of the things we think. We think part of the problem is we don't have direct lighting, but we're also worried about this backdrop here, which if you can't see what I'm pointing at because you're listening in the car, shame on you. You need to go home and also rewatch the show on YouTube. Mm -hmm. There's a glare coming from our sign here, which we've been trying to actively work against, and that has been the reason why we kept the lighting down. We also wanted a more cinematic vibe. We wanted to seem sexier in the dark because if you saw our face in the light, it's not pretty. Not good. Hideous. Hideous. Right. So all things said and done, it's been a shitty day. Good, good friends, good company. Yes, sir. Love you, boo. High key. High key love. Low key. Bye. Night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.